0: All right. Uh here we are with a uh, another episode. I believe this is episode 4. Um with me today I have uh Rob Maltari. Rob is the uh owner and of uh, Lone Wolf Comics and he's also uh the creator of one of my favorite indie comics which is Night Wolf. Uh Rob, thank you so much for uh, joining me today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, I uh you know, you are definitely on like my my super short list of uh people I wanted to uh, have on this Uh, just you know besides uh, us running kind of in the same circles but I'm really super impressed with uh, Nightwolf Um, I love what you're doing with the series I'm a a huge fan of your your stuff and uh, you know kind of the first question I always ask everyone is kind of how did you go from thinking about making comics to actually start making comics
1: yeah so uh, getting into comics it all started when I was young, um, I I'm dyslexic and um, I have ADHD, so learning to read as all was a struggle for me. Uh, whenever I was in early elementary school, and um, so what uh, and you know and I've always been into like the, you know I grew up in the '80s, so like the com cartoons like you know Transformers, uh, He-Man, and uh, Thundercats, you know all those uh, Ninja Turtles, you know stuff like that. Um, I was always really interested in and I also like remember like watching, you know, uh, VHS's of like the Marvel and uh, DC cartoons and, you know, of course always loved superheroes. And so my mom uh, figured out this kind of little trick to get me to learn how to read or at least try harder. Um, She got me this uh, Batman uh, three set. It's a three comic set that came with uh, three uh, cassette tapes. That read along with the story. So, like, there's actors basically reading the word bubbles and the narrations. And um, so I was able to kind of follow along with like the words and try and put context into, you know, putting the words together. And um, so it kind of went from there. And as an incentive for me to like try harder in school, um, as long as I did all my work and, and, you know, was showed that I was trying and making progress. Um, I would get three comic books a week, which back then was probably like between 50 cents and a (laughs) dollar, you know, per per issue. So um, that's really kind of like what got me rolling down the um, collector's side of things. You know, I've been collecting since then, Um, started off with the Batmans, and then got uh, into the Incredible Hulk when he was the Gray Hulk. Um, Those were my first couple subscriptions. Um, I I also think I got Spider-Man back then. Um, and along through the nineties uh, and then like, you know, picking up random books here and there. And um, whenever I uh, was, got into X-Men, which uh, that was another, i, I watched the um, Pride of the X-Men um, pilot. It was, this was before the nineties Fox cartoon. This is, so this is back in the eighties, uh, Pride of the X-Men. And um, I just fell in love with uh, Wolverine as a character and, and it, it was just, one of the uh, crazy things about that is like I, I recognized the Marvel logo on the VHS box as well as on like the Hulk and the spider man comics and I thought oh my god these are you know they were they're they're all part of the same company they, they live in the same universe and that kind of like blew my mind um, so and every time I've always watched read something or watched something or even played a video game that I felt was epic I always wanted to do something. I, you know, like creative and inspired me to do stuff like that. So, um, you know, so I would through elementary school drawing, you know, characters and coming up with like their backstories and stuff. That was kind of like how I started into things. And then I started doing, um, X-Men fan fiction in uh, junior high. And, um, from there I, uh, I sent in an actual, um, I sent in a, a, a storyline to, um, Stan Lee, or at least I thought it was going to Stan Lee anyway, <laughs> but, um, somebody at Marvel had, uh, replied, you know, saying how Stan likes hearing from his fans and, you know, how they have, um, their, you know, their storylines are so far, you know, in advanced in the future that, you know, they may or may not be able to add that in or whatever, but they encouraged me to keep, keep up my writing and, um, character development. So that kind of,
0: I don't mean to cut you off, but that is like an awesome story. The fact that they actually <laughs> replied to you. I, uh, I I did something like very similar. Um, I got the old Yellow Page, like huge um, phone book out. And at the time, really the only medium uh, I was consuming was video games. And I would find like Sega of America mm. or Nintendo of America and yeah. just call them and like <laughs> whoever picked up the phone, I would just start pitching them my idea. And, like, they were always super nice, and they're like, uh, let me send you over to, like, R&D. And then the guys would pick up, like, do you have a demo? And I'm like, what's a demo? I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I thought that was, you know, it, uh, interesting, like, very parallel s- story. Oh, yeah, yeah,
1: for sure. I And it's funny you said about games, too, because um, uh, a friend of mine and I, Um, we, we were like really into like WWE wrestling back in the day um, when it was WWF. Um, and we were playing like, you know, the, one of the games on, I think it was for Super Nintendo and we were like, man, we wish we could make it better and that you could do this and that. So like he and I like came up with all these different ways to make like a game better. And, you know, but of course we never ended up doing anything with it, but
0: you know, I, (laughs) it's just funny. The, the parallels to my life, to your life. Uh, just listening to you talk have been uncanny. Like, I was, you know, I struggled reading and writing, um, you know, all through elementary school and really through middle school. And uh, I I refused to read even, like, through high school. Like, I just did it to get by. But really what got me uh, into reading and reading independently, and for those who don't know, I'm an English teacher now of all things. Um, right? Ironic. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And really what what got me into reading and really opened the door for me was comic books. Um, and so like just hearing you say that, you know, comic books helped you, um, in a very similar fashion, um, much younger, you know, I I could relate to that because I, you know, I really struggled myself. Um, and then all of those, those cartoons, I grew up on the same ones, like every, every exact one you just named, I'm like, (laughs) oh my God, I, I, I still have like action figures from, you know, back in the day, the, uh, the old like GI Joe ones Mm and, um, I wish they uh, they were in any type of condition uh, to be worth the money, but uh, oh, I know. Sadly, they are
1: not. <laughs> yeah, I am um, pretty sure most of my GI Joes are destroyed. Um, not that it, not that I was destructive like that kid from Toy Story, you know. But um, it, you know they they were they were played with like hard, you know. Like I mean, I and then, you know even the Transformers, like um, you know most of the diecast ones are still in one piece, which is you know, typical of the the fact that they're the die cast metal, but like the plastic ones that they started producing like later on. I remember, I remember one of the saddest moments of like my childhood was uh, I'm pretty sure I was in like fourth grade or something like this. Um, it was around that age and I was, um, playing with my Metroplex, you know, the, it's the one transformer that, that basically it was the city. Um, (laughs) I, I had him on top of my Ghostbusters, um, firehouse. And, had that I, too. <laughs> and, and, and so he was on top of it. And then like, I had him knocked off, like he got shot or something. And then like, he hit the, like the carpet, like, it, it, you know, like literally like, thinking, you know, the carpet wouldn't do nothing to him. Right. Well, he landed, you know, in, in the, in the, ghostbusters, uh, house is like, what two, two feet tall about. So he hit the carpet and he snapped in half, like right at his waist where he like rotated. Like you couldn't even super glue that because like you, you couldn't get him to go like side to side anymore. So that was like one of the saddest moments of my childhood.
0: Uh, like just the, the first realization that death is real. Like. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I, which is sad because like, you know, obviously I remember watching the Transformers movie and that was like, I think, I'm pretty sure that was, if not my first, definitely my second exposure to like death. You know, like, because I, I, I remember when I was real little, like, my great-grandma and, like, the funeral, which is funny because I had, uh, well, it's not funny, obviously, but I remember strictly being at the, the uh, memorial service with my, like, Marvel um, Secret Wars Wolverine, like, one of the first Wolverine action figures before, like, Toy right. yep. yeah. <laughs> um, but that, you know, obviously, it was, I didn't know wh- any, what was going on. It was just, I was just there, you know. But, like, I remember, like, when, like, when Optimus like died in the cartoon, I was like devastated. <laughs> but yeah, the, that toy, you know, I, I like was that was one of my favorites, you know. So it was like l- like just realizing like how much loss, you know, <laughs> you know, to as a collector, it's like
0: ah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have like four or five toys in my office that my wife like every time she goes in there she just looks at them and's like what are you doing? I'm like just wait, okay, eventually. Or <laughs> something for our daughter, but I remember going to uh, the first like comic convention and, and walking down like the uh, toy alley, mm-hmm. and then just seeing all the toys. And I was like, I had every single one of these. Oh, I know it's
1: it's such nostalgic like awesomeness. Like when you go to a con and they have like all the action figures there. Uh, it's yeah. I mean, like if you look at my office, and I'm I'm sure like you know when we've been on like videos together, you've probably seen behind me. You've seen some of them, but that's not even like like the side that you, you know, that you guys don't see the that the wall that I'm facing and then the other wall is it looks like a toy store. Like you got, I've got like old school open ones on shelves and then I have like a whole, like two walls full of like unopened like action figures from Marvel legends and the original X-Men toy biz run.
0: And, and uh, I also have like star Wars action figures in package. <laughs> That's awesome. The, the only ones I have, I have a, um, an apocalypse it's one of like the tall um the tall apocalypse ones from like the 90s x-men yeah um i have one of those and then i have two or three unopened like power ranger ones i was really into power rangers um nice. when i was younger and uh, i think i have one more um x-men ones in my office but I, um i don't remember what it is at the moment because it's kind of buried under stuff <laughs> at least i think it's i think yeah. i, I want to say it's beast but i'm not entirely sure. okay but i I remember one of the saddest days of my life was like there was like huge bins full of toys in my house and my mom was like we're getting rid of these uh, no longer having them. And so we gave them to another kid down the street who was younger and you know obviously he you know had better use for them. But like right. I remember going to that C2E2 and calling my mom and being like <laughs> do you have any idea how much our Stay Puff Marshmallow Man would have been worth? Now, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, so uh so you you were kind of big into collecting and, and all that stuff. So when did you, you when did you decide like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna put pen to paper and and start creating?
1: So like I said, I, I think I started doing a lot of that in, in elementary school with just coming up with characters and like doing their backstories. Um, but actually writing, like I said, with the stories, doing the fan fiction, that was junior high. Um, but after I got that. That po- very polite rejection letter. Um, <laughs> I um, started. I, I decided to do to kind of do my own. That's when I was like, okay, I'm going to take some of my ideas and I'm going to roll with them. And that's kind of where Nightwolf kind of spawned off of. I um.
0: Were, were I, you always in the werewolves? I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. It's like a, a hard stop there for you. But oh like, no, it's was cool. It, was it like. <laughs> like why nightwolf like where did that like that seed of an idea come from
1: so what all right, so i, I got it goes back a little bit to um prior so like growing up uh i always liked werewolves more than any other like universal style monster or supernatural creature um i always kind of gravitated more towards them um And I I think, you know, a lot of it, too, like, and I think that's why I like Wolverine as much, too, because he kind of, he's not a werewolf, but he's got, like, those same kind of, like, feral tendencies. Um, And, you know, just the clawing and all that kind of stuff. Um, But I I think, too, like, it was funny, like, um, I remember when, like, in elementary school, there was a Scooby-Doo cartoon movie. It was uh, Scooby-Doo and the Reluctant Werewolf where Shaggy gets turned into a werewolf. And um, then there was another Scooby Doo movie too. I remember that there was um, there was a uh, it was they go to a ghoul school where there's like a vampire, ghost, um, uh, Frankenstein, and werewolf like you know girls being taught at this school. They they get hired as like gym teachers and stuff. You know, Um, so I just remember like just gravitating towards those character arcs. And even, like, with movies, like, you know, like I said, I, I think I had more of a draw towards those. Um, you know, I do. I, even though I like vampires, and I, like, I do, like, a lot of supernatural stuff. But I, I definitely, you know, can tell that I, I've always had that, like, draw. And, and uh, I, like, I'm a dog. Well, I'm an animal person in general. I have dogs and cats. But I, wolves are my favorite animal, I think. You know, even, like, huskies are, like, those are, like, that style of look. Very sleek, very elegant, you know. I just it's just something about them that I think they're, that, you know, they're gorgeous animals and, you know, um, if I ever had the opportunity, I would definitely love to have like a husky or wolf mix that I've, I've, I've known uh, people who've had like those type of dogs, but the, I hear they're really aggressive. So it's kind of hard, you know, to have that kind of an animal around my family. Um, but uh, anyway, so <laughs> uh, no, it's
0: it's it's cool. It's funny. The my uncle actually had half huskies, half wolves, and he had to keep them in like these huge pens, and like he and he had little kids and stuff, and they really didn't do a whole lot of interacting because of that.
1: Yeah, and, which is sad, and like, cause I don't I don't want to keep them penned up, but, you know. So I, I I want to be able to you know like with my dogs that I have here, like they you know they lay on the couch with me and my wife and the kids, like you know we we're we go for walks together. Like, you know, like we, they're part of the family, you know, so I wouldn't want that kind of a situation, you know, where I'd have to keep them separated. It's not fair to the animal, it's not fair to us either, so... Um, I agree, but, you know, I agree, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, with werewolves, um, you know, it, it kind of, again, going back to the, the fan fiction, um, Wolfsbane from New Mutants was one of my favorite X-Men characters, uh, and... I had a storyline where one of my made-up characters and her kind of like have like this this friendship, and um, and his original power was so. And this is kind of how Nightwolf was born. His original power is a kinetic energy blast, um, which then I you know this is around the time where like new like uh, mutation like second mutations were being introduced into the X Men. Um, kind of like where um, uh, the White Queen uh, got the, you know, diamond skin and stuff like that. Um, so they were, it was kind of like one of those things, and I, I really love the um, extinction agenda um, when they go to Genosha, like I, there was something about that storyline too that I kind of wanted to like, you know, show that they were bringing back the Genosha government where um, they're trying, you know, to bring back the mutant slaves and all that stuff. And so there was a, There was part of that storyline where Wolfsbane got stuck in werewolf form as, to be part, like, that was kind of like how she got free of becoming, like, a mindless slave. So I kind of went down that same path to kind of triggering a secondary mutation in this character, um, turning him into a werewolf, like, basically a werewolf-looking, but he couldn't change back and forth. He was stuck as a werewolf, and, but he still had that kinetic energy, blast, if you will, as part of his power. Um, so I kind of ran with that. Once like I got that rejection letter, I kind of ran with that and reworked it a little bit. And um, so what's, what pe- a lot of people don't know yet about, and it's not really much of a spoiler. I, I'm not going to go too much into detail about it, but um, it, when Nightwolf changes from human to werewolf, he kind of lets off this gigantic blast so it's a, basically it's a kinetic energy blast which kind of is ke- going back to that original form of that character and um, he's the only werewolf who has that ability but there's a reason for it because he's not just so he's something he, so in my story where these these werewolves are a different kind of breed um, there's there's like a good part of the breed and a bad part of the breed and they're, they're, you're either born one or the other um whereas he's kind of like in the middle like he he's that 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 modern day gray line and um there's something else to him that that is that causes this this uh kinetic energy to to discharge if you will while he's changing and he he'll eventually learn how to focus it into weapons and and like through you know Into like fists and stuff like that like he doesn't just you know blow up all the time like a bomb eventually he will learn how to channel it Um, But that that's kind of like where he stemmed from Um, and when I started writing more about him uh, I think I was in uh, I was on vacation with my family and um, I'm one of uh, three uh, kids in my family. I'm the youngest and I have two older sisters but on this vacation, both my sisters were away at college at the time. Um, I was a sophomore and they one was a freshman in college. Um, and my other sister was like I think a junior in college and um, me being a sophomore in high school. and so I'm still home with my parents and we went on vacation with my with my grandparents. And so I was the only kid on this vacation. so to keep to pass the time while like we're sitting on buses and traveling and going on these tours, um, I had a journal and I just started writing, you know, the story. Like I took that character and just ran with it. And you know, so that's, that kind of like became a long story short <laughs> of how, like, so that way back then, Nightwolf kind of like evolved from there to now.
0: That's awesome, man, that you took a, you took a, a, a fan fiction, like your love for, for, uh, X-Men and Night's Bane and you you didn't take that rejection letter which i think is really cool and like a lot of people i think would have taken that rejection letter and just like stopped and would have been like this is not for me then right and and like the fact that you you took that and then channeled it into like your own story like you're like all right like whatever and like (laughs) uh i'll just make my own then forget you guys (laughs) like you guys are missing out but which i think is really really cool And, you know, I, I, it's so funny. I would do very similar things. Like I would just, like, I remember writing stories, um, like they weren't in like fan fiction or anything, just like random stories. I was really into like, uh, uh, same thing, like 80s, like, uh, uh, cartoons and 90s cartoons. So like, it would be like my version it would be like a very very uh ripped off version of like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles it would be like four chameleons or something like that (laughs) right uh all with like baseball player names because I didn't know anything about art so like whatever but like I would write stories and like take them to my teacher and like ask her if I could read it to the class and she'd be like okay and like I would just like read my stories while my classmates just looked at me like what is this kid doing uh (laughs) Yeah, and like I had no idea that that, like they should be judging me. I'm like, this is a cool story. How can you guys not see this? Uh, (laughs) uh, So yeah, I thought that was so. Like, how long did you let that story you created with your family when you were a sophomore? It obviously had a you know long lasting uh, like ties to you and roots to you because you. You went with it when you got older now, you know, it had to been decades later, right? Oh, yeah. So, like, like how did that happen?
1: Yeah, well, that entire first issue was, um, Nightwolf 1 basically was the majority of what I had written down uh, back then. Uh, It just happened to, like, mature a little bit more and get, you know, less juvenile. Uh, but for the most part, I mean, it, it survived the test of time. And then like, I just, I continued working on it through college and I mean, I had other stuff, obviously through high school, I was in, I, I played sports and you know, then I was also like, you know, being 16, 17, 18, I was, you know, go you know, try, you know, hanging out with my friends, doing whatever, ch- you know, chasing girls and going bowling, you know, doing just random stuff that random kids do. Right. That's what, that's what, uh, teenagers do. Exactly. Yeah. So, so then I went to college, and um, you know, and I, Nightwolf isn't the only character that I you know have or that I carried along with me. It's just the one that I've taken into further development. So you know, in between doing that, I've had these other titles that I kind of developed along the line, and some of them are on my website now. That I, um, they're the ones that I basically said these are the ones that I am definitely going to put out no matter what, um, but with um with that you know just again writing in between like you know i was in a band in high school and college so you know that like that was my main focus aside from school and and sports at the time was playing in my band so it was like part of you know it was just finding time to do things with that and and tweaking stuff and and it just was like one of those slow slow gatherings, if you will. And then it got to the point where like, okay, well, I wasn't in a band anymore. I was, you know, I had a kid and I had, I needed some kind of creative outlet or outlet, you know, just to kind of to help with stress relief and stuff. So, and I've, you know, being into comic books has always been my end goal really for the most part, you know, except for when I thought I was going to make it big with my band. <laughs> um, but like, I went to I, what, art what, school. Hold on, hold on. What was your band's name? Crimson Dawn.
0: That actually has like an eerie tie to like your werewolf stuff too.
1: Well, it it does in a way, but it's not really the the werewolf. I actually um, the band is named after my comic book character Crimson Dawn. <laughs> that's um, that's awesome. Well even the logo, like the logo, I was actually so when we were sitting in we were sitting in my dad's office um, in like our, my dad had like a den. Um, where he kept all his, like, hunting stuff, and, like, there was a desk there, so that's where I used to do all my drawing um, before I got my own desk, and um, he... So I was sitting at this desk, and we're trying to come up with different names, but as I'm, I'm, like... You know, I'm, I'm drawing, doodling, you know, whatever. I'm working on the logo for my character that I had just come up with, and you know, they're my friends are like coming up with all these like names, and we're all like, man, hey you know, no one's ever. Yeah. So I kind of like I looked at the the logo that I did, and I'm like, do I really want to do this? And then I was like, how about Crimson Dawn? And I turned the logo around, and they're all like, yeah,
0: <laughs> that's awesome.
1: Yeah. So yeah, it's it's kind of funny that you know my comic experiences kind of influence every aspect of my life, you know, choosing going to the art school for graph. Well, originally for animation, then I switched to graphic design. Um, so which, you know, also plays into what I'm doing now because like obviously putting these books together, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm the one doing the lettering. I'm the one doing,
0: putting everything together and in InDesign. Um, dude, it is so hard when I, <laughs> when I, I am like not at all like, even remotely equipped to do any of that stuff but I have to be as like I'm a one man like management team and like production design team and all this stuff so I had to learn really quickly how all of this works mm-hmm. and it's it's not easy when you have no idea what you're doing but when there's a will there's a way and so like, oh, yeah. I got InDesign and I just started watching YouTube and figuring it out and it's uh there's a learning curve but if you want to do it like nothing's really stopping you
1: oh yeah exactly I mean and that's I think you know with all of us we all have I think we you know, especially you know the indies who are doing pretty much everything except for the art or who are maybe doing the art but need you know there, there's definitely there's something that we all have our abilities like our, our strengths and we have our weaknesses and if you're doing it all like you ha you can't let your weaknesses hold you down so you have to figure it out, you know, for me, it's, um, I think my, my weakest is, is just doing, going out and doing outreach, you know, promotion, sales, that kind of stuff. Like I, you know, I, I'm not bad at the marketing side of things, but I could be better. But time wise, it's like, you know, you have to choose like what you're doing. So I try to do it in a cycle. Um, I try to do, you know, like the creative cycle then moves into, you know, a development cycle that then moves into a sales cycle, which then moves into, you know, um, sales pitching, you know, it, so it's kind of, it kind of goes back full circle, but sometimes you don't have time for everything and you kind of have to jump around.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's, I, uh, I think that's really a, a unique and clever way to go about stuff when you're kind of, you know, the one man show, like you have to wear so many different hats when you're an indie guy, um, or in, mm-hmm. you know, indie person in general, um, and thinking of your books release as cycles is, uh, I think, really genius because it allows you to kind of just focus on that one hat at the moment. Because yeah, it's it's hard
1: too. To, I mean, because you can't just, I mean, jump around like you can't do everything at once, obviously. Um, and I mean, you can take chunks. Like if you only have a certain amount of time, and you know if something takes. X amount of time, you could fit this in. You do have the ability to jump a little bit, but as long as you treat it as a cycle, you know, it helps you to get things moving faster. And I think that kind of like, once I figured that out, I was able to get the ball rolling more on, you know, moving from issue one to issue four. Like I, you know, like it took me like in 2017 was when I released issue one and then 2018 was issue two, 2019 was issue three. Now here, like it may have been 2020 when I released four, but it was less than, it was like six months from when I released three. So it was like, I did, it was moving faster, um, you know, as, so in this next time, like with, you know, my next project is gonna be, I'm launching next month and that's for the trade paperback for the first four issues. So, I mean, it's like, once you get that going, you know, you, you can you can, you know, when you're gonna go, like I was ready to hit the ground running and preparing for this next launch while I was fulfilling my last one
0: yeah no, you know I I will say uh, for everyone listening the trade paperback the cover that Rob is uh, putting on the uh, is it gonna be a hard cover for the, it's for the, for the there's trade? gonna be a hard and
1: there's gonna be a soft
0: man that cover is absolutely uh, incredible will uh, you know I can't wait for you to un- un- uh, you know show the world because it's awesome Oh yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm super excited. Like I've seen, you know,
1: like, well, with the soft cover, it's done. Like I officially, the uh, the front and the back of that one was completed. Um, well, the back was completed yesterday, and um, the ba- the front was completed like a few weeks ago, but um, yeah, now I can start showing the, the soft covers and, um, but the, yeah, the hard cover, I've kind of shown like the, the working in progress versions, and, um, so it's supposed to be done by the first of October. So I can't. Yeah, I can't wait to show that, and I, I can't wait even to, to get a mock-up together of how that's going to work. Um, because I'm, I'm excited to, to I like, kind of like show that and and just, you know, yeah, it's it's yeah, I, I'm I'm very happy um, with what Carlos Herrera has been doing with the art, and I, I can't I, I I'm so happy to have him back on my team. Um, he he actually uh, was my original artist for Nightwolf uh, back when I first started uh having an artist um but he had to like he got a a full-time job doing one of those like it wasn't Magic the Gathering but it was some other kind of card deck game um so you know what what could i say you know <laughs> um but uh you know 5 years later um you know i after issue 3 was done I i reached out to him I was like hey what would it take to get you back on this and he just he happened to be in a, a regular nine-to-five like teaching so he's he's now an instructor on at a, um, a school for illustration down in uh, Chile where he's from and um, he has more of a steady job so he's able to do you know like you know like we do outside of our full-time jobs <laughs> and contribute
0: yeah man uh, the the cover's awesome. Um awesome um, I Really, uh, I really think it's going to excite your fans that you have now that um, are currently Nightwolf fans, and it's going to bring in a lot of people that don't know anything about Nightwolf, which I think uh, is the point when you you know you're releasing something like this because it's it's really really cool. It's definitely one of my favorite covers I've I've seen in a very very long time. So thank you. Yeah, yeah, Nightwolf. I'm glad.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I, I yeah I hope that I'm I'm ho- that's what I'm hoping for. Um, you know, because this is the, the hard cover is going to be. It's not just going to be a um, you know just a re- rehashing of one through four. It's um, so it is collecting issues one through four, but it's also going to be a collector's piece with uh, the die cut cover and the vellum. And um, also, there's going to be I, I have plans for my stretch goals to to basically add more content. So I basically have planned out. Um, I mean, there's basically going to be 16 extra pages as long as you know we're hitting these stretch goals, um, which basically is adding an entire issue to the book. Um, so it's it's not just for uh, new people jumping on who like trade paperbacks. this is also something for existing fans to, as a collectible and to find out uh, things that questions that, that may um, have come up. Um, you know, during the story that haven't been answered, but this could be kind of like, oh, well, this is how this came about, that wasn't going to be answered initially.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, since you, you, you kind of talked about stretch goals, um, for, for Kickstarter, what, uh, what got you kind of on the platform? Because you've had a lot of success, especially recently, um, with uh, your, last, um, your last launch of Nightwolf. Kind of what? Uh, kind of what got you on the platform, and um, just uh, I guess I, I definitely see you just building tons of fans. So what has that been like to get fans, you know, from you know all over the world from Kickstarter? Because I know when I launched a Kickstarter for Man of Sin um, for the graphic novel, I had fans from Japan ordering this stuff. I had uh, Germany, like all over the world. Oh, yeah. So it's it's like. Uh, just a, a crazy experience. So I'd love to hear kind of how you got on and then what's it been like for interacting and, and finding new fans?
1: It's been amazing. I mean, um, so uh, going back to your question of um, when you know, how did I first get on the platform? It basically so I Did a launch back in 2016 that failed um, And the reason it failed was I didn't have an audience uh, yet. I knew I had something special with it so when I first started, you know, figuring I was going to go on my own and, and do this, um, I thought I, I first started hearing about Kickstarter. I saw other like video games. Actually, I think it was um, Joe Matarera did his Battle Chasers video game through um, Kickstarter, and that's what first introduced me to it. And I said, "Oh, what's this now?" And I was, you know, looking around or whatever. So. You know, and then I saw all these other comic book projects that I was like, this is actually a thing that I could do. This could help me get what I need. So um, going back to that, that 2016 launch that I did, it, um, it basically – so what I did was I had five pages done with Carlos. I had the cover um, and the character designs, and that's all I had at the time. And I thought, you know, I believed so much in this project that I'm going to go for all thir- issues one through three, trying to get a jump start. And then I could get the rest of them, you know, because I have 12 issues written of this particular story story arc. And so I thought if I could get a jump start, you know, and these three issues get out, I could start just keep going. You know, once, once they start kind of like, um, you know, standing on their own two feet, right? So I started for the issues one through three, I did a $20,000 goal, which even for like, you know, that's a lot. That's a, that is a lofty <laughs> goal, my friend. A, well, especially for a beginner. <laughs> but again, that's how much I believed in, in my project. And I still do. I mean, I, I obviously, if I, here I am, you know, four years later, right? <laughs> um, yeah. It,
0: it's like going, uh, going right from T-ball to, uh, the major leagues. Yeah, <laughs> just like yeah, guys, just like, yeah. No, I, I, I skipped T ball. <laughs> You're like I've seen this yeah, on so, TV. <laughs> yeah, it
1: was like uh, I don't know, maybe uh, that uh, that was that rookie of the year where that uh, where the kid broke his collarbone and was all of a sudden being able to throw fastballs. <laughs>
0: yeah, the I, actually I actually just watched that when we got uh, Disney Plus um, through quarantine. We had like a Disney Plus like <laughs> binge one one week and uh, yeah. I think it's the rookie maybe rookie of the year. I don't know. Yeah. Rookie. I think it's rookie of the year.
1: Something like that. It was one of those eight or nineties movies that, that I remember, you know, as a kid. But, um, so yeah, I, um, was able to be still there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still here. Oh, sorry. My, my computer fell asleep. <laughs> no No worries. <laughs> um, yeah. So that, um, 2016 launch 20,000 K goal. um, it, again, if I would have just gone for the first issue, and set my because I I ended up after the launch ended, I got five thousand dollars and five thousand seventy four dollars. If I would have shot for just five thousand dollars, I would have had that first issue done right then, right there.
0: With with but only with only uh, a couple pages of art, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean only that's, five? yeah. I mean that's
0: just, that's just incredible <laughs> for anyone out there who's thinking about. Um, making a comic, or you know, deciding whether or not to pull the trigger. The fact that you know Rob has you know believes in his idea and put it out there, uh, he still raised five thousand dollars from you know total strangers with no audience.
1: Yeah, no, uh, yeah, it's it's it. it I, that's how I knew I had something because obviously it was a, it was with a it was a reasonable goal. If I would have done five thousand, and I would have made it. So. I was like, it, it took me, it really did take the wind out of my sails for a minute. Um, I, I think it took me about six months to kind of like get back on my feet and be like, you know what, I'm going to just do it myself. Like I, like I initially planned. So I, um, I, did a bu- I did a couple web design and graphic design freelance jobs outside of my, my full-time job. And I used that. Because that's that's how I raised the the initial money for for these the pages and the character designs was basically you know doing the same thing. So I thought, well, if I did that much, I could do the rest, right? So I got issue one finished with um, Carl Like I said, at that time Carlos had moved on, so I uh, I had found my new artist um, Oscar, um, who's uh, the owner of Bakiman Studio, and then I had the colorist was Ross A Campbell. Um, who got picked up by DC for right before we did issue two?
0: <laughs> oh man! So, that, but anyway, that yeah. uh, that has to make you feel good, and also at the same time, like son of a gun, like yeah. it's like both both like awesome. Like I had this awesome guy work like who's now working on DC, working on my book, but now I don't have this awesome guy <laughs> working on my book.
1: Yeah, no. It, it, somebody told me you're like, I'm the bad luck Chuck of comics, <laughs> oh, <laughs> or no. good luck Chuck, or whatever it's called. <laughs> that Dane Cook movie yeah yeah i know yeah. what you're talking about <laughs> but yeah so that was like uh okay so anyway yeah so i had the first issue done and i'm like all right now i haven't i, I had enough to do the printing and the, and everything from my 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 freelance design stuff which you know that's a lot of work too you know that's not even it that's a lot of work to put into something and and uh so it was just, it was basically like I was making the comic myself, even though I wasn't drawing it. <laughs> Cause you know, all that freelance work to, 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 build up that much money. Cause you know, comics aren't cheap. <laughs> and if you think it is, <laughs> you're, you're in the wrong business.
0: <laughs> yeah. The, uh, making comics is much, much cheaper than making a movie, but it is still very expensive.
1: Indeed. <laughs> um, yeah. So with, uh, That said, having the, the, I had these, now I'm sitting on these boxes of comics, right? What do I do with them? (laughs) I, um, so that, I, I, I got them printed in September of 2017. And at that point I was like, all right, well, I don't know where to go or what to do or how to promote these any more than I did before. You know, um. So I, I, you know, obviously I had my own website, but I didn't have an e-commerce site at the time, um, and to do that it was a little more daunting and time-consuming to to do that for just one issue. So I kind of let that go for a minute. So I thought, you know what, I've I've been going to comic cons in Pittsburgh for years. My cousin and I, you know, that was one of our things that we love to do together. Um, you know, so we've been going to that, you know, watching it grow, uh, the Steel City Con down there, and finally I was like, you know what, I'm going to find out how to get a table. So sure enough, I, um, I went to, there was one in December uh, after I had printed these um, comics in September, so I got a table, and I was like, well, you know what, I only have one issue. What am I going to do? you know, what am I going to do? just sit there with one a pile of comics and, and, and not have anything else to sell? So I got, knowing that I had great art and, you know, it obviously helped sell the Kickstarter that didn't fund. <laughs> Ironic. Um, so I, I got the character designs, some printed up as an eight by 10. I got uh, the cover printed up as like an 11 uh, by 17, um, poster. And then I got some other artwork that I had done. Um, for promotional pieces um, put together as you know posters and eight by tens and i filled my basically i filled my table with these eight by tens on e- on either side the line, and then i had the comics in the middle and i had a banner printed up off, based off the cover of the first issue and i just i mean that weekend i sold i only took 100 books with me I almost sold out of all of them. I think I only had. I think I, I only had like less than ten left to bring home. I almost kind of was like, "Oh crap! I hope I don't sell
0: anymore." <laughs> that's awesome. That's a that's a great feeling to have when you start getting nervous. Like, I'm just going to be standing here.
1: I, exactly. because I'm at that point. I'm like, "What am I going to do?" And, and and Steel City is a con that you can't leave early. Like, if you do that, you're not welcome back. So you have to stay there until the very end, and you cannot unpack your. You can't pack your stuff up or nothing. You have to be there until the until five o'clock on Sunday. <laughs> so so I'm, uh, I was like, "What am I gonna do?"
0: <laughs> yeah, well, that's a that's a great feeling to have. So then, so then after that, did you um, decide to go back to Kickstarter? Um, mm-hmm. How was that decision kind of? No,
1: so it so with um, issue two. Uh, so I'm, I'm sitting at the con and I call my wife and I'm telling her, like, I'm, I'm basically giving her like the play by play the entire weekend. Like I'm there. Um, I think I was there Friday by myself and then Saturday and Sunday, um, our, our friend April came down and and helped me, um, run the table and, you know, and like between the two of us, we're telling my wife, like how well things are going and like, you know, like we're, it just, it was a great you know, turnout for everything, and uh, the response was very welcoming. And so she's like, "All right, let's um, let's dip in the savings. How much do you need?" Um, so for the most part, I we we got a little bit out of my savings, and then I did a couple more freelance jobs to get the artwork and everything done for issue two. And then I thought, okay, well, I gave Kickstarter a try. Let's try Indiegogo, right? So I. Uh, so, I went back to the Steel City Con, so that, that's three times a year. It's it's December, April, and August. So I signed up, I, so I wanted to make sure I had my table again, so I went back to the April Comic Con that, that, that following April. And so I planned my Indiegogo to be around that time, so I could talk about it and say, hey, I have issue one here, um, and if somebody from issue... Who came and bought comics from the previous, um, you know? Uh, Steel City Con came. You know, I told them, you know, hey, you can get issue two pre-order here, you know, because I treated it like a pre-order, and because it really was. I was going to do it regardless, um, and I think I set a three thousand dollar goal for that one, um, but I only got I think like half of it. I think I got like like one thousand four hundred and some odd change for that one, um, which was kind of like, okay, well, this is maybe crowdfunding isn't for me. Right. You know, I, it was even less of a response than I had for Kickstarter. And so I was like, all right, you know, whatever, I'll just print it, do the, you know, make up the rest of the money that I need on my own, do the freelance again. Um, and I guess that's just the way it's going to go. Right. <laughs> so, you know, from there, I, so I, after that Steel City Con, I then got into Boston that August for the Boston Fan Expo. I got into Baltimore that uh, I was in September at the time. It was because it was right, It was the weekend of my birthday that year. Um, but now they like in the year after that they moved it to October. But um, you know, and again, great response. I sold a lot of both issues um, at both cons. So obviously, I, I had something, and I had to keep going right. And um, so basically, at that time, I was more focusing with how well I was doing at Comic-Cons. I was focusing on getting to different Comic-Cons around my driving distance. Um, Boston was the farthest, I think. It was like an 8 to 10-hour drive. Um, I think uh, it was 6 or 7 hours to Baltimore. Um, I, I did Steel City in, in uh, Detroit. Well, near Detroit, anyway. Or not Steel City. It was Motor City Comic-Con um and i think i also did i did uh keystone comic con which was in philadelphia um so so basically i was just making doing the con circuit at that point thinking that between the cons and doing freelance work i was going to be able to do the you know to fund my, my my comics um so and that was working but it was also i can only do so many a year because of work i can only take so many vacation time you know, uh, days off and, 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 you know, being, so having, um, my, my daughter was born, uh, right before I started doing this, like, so she was born, um, October 27th, 2017. So like, you know, that's taking a lot of time away from her. And then I have two older, or, you know, my two sons who are older than her. And then my, you know, obviously my wife would be very, um, irritated if I was gone all the time too. So I couldn't do more than one a month every couple of months. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, uh, the uh, having the the wife uh, that has your back is absolutely amazing. Oh yeah. Uh, and but as a married man myself, I know that there's only so much you exactly <laughs> only so much leeway you can get. Like exactly. I have uh, I you know I, I'm scheduling all these podcasts now, and um, my wife is you know I told her what I was going to do, and she's supportive. And then um, she's like, "How many podcasts has this been?" Like you, you keep like, go, like, what are you doing? Like, I was like, I'm, I'm just trying to get as many as I can in, but you know, I, I'm not going to, you know, take up every night, just, you know, most of the nights. And so, but she's been, <laughs> she's been, uh, she's been great. And you know, it, it, I'm sure you feel the same way without the support of your wife. It'd be really hard to do this.
1: Oh yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and it's, she actually, um, was very, like even when we first started dating, um, because, uh, she was very like, oh, because she never read a comic book. She was never into comic books, but she is. I call her a closet nerd because she was into the Walking Dead TV series. She introduced that to me. Uh, she introduced True Blood to me. Um, you know, a bunch of like things that like because I never really watched a lot of TV in my later, you know, after college. Um because I was either like working on projects or whatever, and I'd just watch movies on DVD or something, or watch a cartoon on DVD that I had from the '80s or something. Um, so I really didn't know much about what was going on with new television until I started dating her, and so um, you know, and she's really big into reading. She loves novels. So um, you know, I had her just kind of out of as a whim. I you know I told her, hey, I do this on you know in my spare time and. You know, I kind of explained it to her, and, and and I let her, you know, she wanted to read the script, so I let her read the the twelve issues, and she was like, "This is actually really good," and you know, for her not being into comics, like that was like really telling for me, as well. So it was like, okay, well, I obviously have to keep this going. I have to do something with this now.
0: And then you proposed. And that right? was,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that was when I started doing. Um, that was when I really started looking for an artist. So at the time I didn't, you know, I had the issues, but I didn't have anybody else to work with. And I didn't, you know, so I, that was about when I um, jumped on to DeviantArt and started looking around for artists that I liked. Um, But to kind of answer your, go back to answering your question about how I got back into Kickstarter. um, So, you know, after the con circuit, so figuring out what to do besides Comic Cons had been like something that had been on my mind and, um, I, I saw one of, or yeah, I saw an ad for one of Tyler James's comic launch, free uh, Kickstarter lessons about. Ad. It was I think it was mostly the uh, Facebook ads, was uh, was the one that it was focusing on. And for me, like I did that, you know, so I for my current job, I I do all, a lot of like digital marketing and stuff for my full time job. So I thought, well, you know, I I do ads now, maybe this will help me in two ways. It'll help me with my full-time job, do better with my ads. And for my comic stuff, I can start doing ads And you know, so I did his, so I, I, basically, I did that free training, um, that he does. And you know, basically from there I was hooked. I was like, you know what? I was like, maybe I'll see, I'll, I'll invest in, in this, in these courses and see what happens i mean you know maybe maybe i was doing something wrong with my last kickstarter and you know maybe this will help me you know do it again right so i was ready for issue three it was you know at that point i was i was ready to roll and so i did the you know um i did the audience building for list launch first and because you know which i wish i would have um had an email i wish i would have done this prior because i've would have been a lot further ahead but um because I, all these comic cons that i had been at guess who didn't collect any emails
0: <laughs> oh man that is the uh absolute worst feeling and unfortunately i have i have been in the same exact boat
1: right so and you think that that's a no-brainer right like even like just to have somebody like write their email down how hard is that
0: <laughs> I, so, uh, so so anyway yeah, yeah. I, I totally get that it's like oh i'm You know, trying to get this person to sell, uh, you know, buy my book. The last thing I'm thinking about is picking up their email. And then when you leave, you're like, I probably should have got everyone's email.
1: Right? Right? Yeah. So, well, I what I did was, so I kind of pushed everybody to my Facebook page or Twitter or whatever they had um, before, because I figured that was maybe that was the way of the future. and email wasn't going to be a thing anymore, Um, because I think a lot of younger kids don't even have emails. You know what I mean? Like, so. Emails more like something that like our generation uses more, I think, than anybody else. Uh, you know, um, it, it,
0: so. it will surprise you what this you know the high school generation now um, doesn't know and what they do know. Like right. the um, like cursive. Like I'm a teacher, so I deal uh, high school teacher, so I deal with uh, high, high school students all the time, and like I will grade or do something and I, I write in cursive and a lot of them are like, <laughs> I have no idea what this means. I'm like, well, yeah, cause you know, they like, don't teach it anymore. Yeah. It's uh, it's just, it's just interesting what, you know, what they, what they know and what they don't know. It's just, yeah. it's just the, I'm sure it was exactly the same when we were younger, like the, the generation before I was like, what, what the heck is, you know, insert whatever it was at the time.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, for example, like my dad is technologically, Disadvantaged, he does not like the computer. He does not like anything. You know, he, you know, having like the universal remotes confuse him. <laughs> so he has all his remotes
0: <laughs> does he, sitting by his. De- you know, does he write de- all his passwords down on like a loosely piece of paper?
1: I, he doesn't even. He he again doesn't get on or do anything. <laughs> he, That's awesome. He avoids it. Yeah. Whereas my mom is the complete opposite. My mom, um, and it's maybe is where I get it from. Is she? She actually took courses to know how to do computers and stuff like that. So like, I think like that is where I kind of got my natural inkling to, you know, to try and to figure things out. And, and if I can't figure something out, I'll, you know, find a way to learn it. Um, so, but yeah, that's, it's that generational gap thing. Um, but, you know, so, well, so like I said, with issue three, I had it, um, So uh, I figured doing the list launch, I I started building an audience uh, while I, you know, issue three was being finished. And so I think when I decided to finally go with my next launch, which was almost a year ago now, it'll be in October, um, was when I actually launched and for issue one through three and You know basically taking all the good stuff from my previous campaign that I thought worked and then combining it with what Tyler and his trainings taught me um, I was able to you know put together my new page and um, and I had I think at the time I had over 500 or so emails um, accumulated and so then, you know, just from there, I, I um, just going and, and giving it a shot again, and, and go. And I start this time. I did the reasonable five thousand dollar goal, <laughs> even though it was for one through three, but technically it was only for three. Starting at T ball, I like it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, figuring, you know, obviously. I, I figured, you know, if I could do it on Kickstarter before, I know I had the same thought with Indiegogo, but it was a different platform, and I know at the time, I mean, Indiegogo, I think, is bigger now than it was then, or maybe, uh, you know, or maybe I just wasn't, I did again, not having an audience, um, but obviously I had a bigger draw for Kickstarter the first time around, figuring I could at least do 5,000, because I did it before, I'm going to do it again, and you know, at, at 30 days later that, you know, it, it, it overfunded at that, uh, 7,000 some and 217 backers. <laughs> so that was, um, it's gotta be, yeah, that's gotta that be a
0: great feeling. Like, Oh yeah.
1: It was, it, it, and I was watching my phone and the computer, like I was like, you know, just laser focused at it and and I know you're not supposed to because like you know when if there was like a dropped uh, pledge or you know whatever like you know you know it's just like oh no <laughs> but then like something like a second later it would go back up again and I'm like oh, okay
0: <laughs> running a Kickstarter campaign is the most stressful exciting like every emotion wrapped into one thing oh, you, it is. you could ever do it yeah it's definitely away. a roller
1: coaster it, it's it, it's addicting too which it's it's, hard, it's weird to say because it's like one of the most stressful things that I do for an entire month you know like even even per, prior to it you know getting all everything set up and then like then launching and then having to like hit it non stop you know with with the promotion stuff and, and then like you know then you're like, oh i gotta hurry up and do it again
0: <laughs> yeah it's uh you know it's really weird it's like this like it's literally it's gotta the only way I could like um the only analogy I have for it, it's like running, literally running a marathon. Like you're mm-hmm. you're in it, like you're excited when it starts, then you're in the middle and you're like, why did I even want to do this? Like this doesn't <laughs> even make any sense. And then at the end, you're just happy it's over and, and like just but exhausted and then you can't move for a couple of days.
1: Right. right. Yeah. You have to decompress for a while, um, which I think and it was weird to say, I kind of felt that similar feeling that I had after my failed Kickstarter I felt very drained I felt very emotionally like I've kind of felt depressed a little bit and I kind w- which is ironic because I felt that way even after my first successful campaign so when that when that finally like it ended in 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 November and I remember like for like a couple weeks I was like in a rut like i it was like I, I think it because I was like constantly I had, you know, it was like I was focusing on this and, and then now it was like all and it was all that attention. And then all of a sudden it was like it was over, you know, and like and it was that period in between, like waiting for the funds and then then talking to the printers and getting the books printed and all that other stuff. So that in between period was really rough for whatever reason I and and apparently I'm not the only one who who felt that because um I've heard other people like talk about
0: it or seen about it on Facebook yeah I've you know what I've I've had that same experience twice I ran two Kickstarters now and I think it's like you're you're it's not adrenaline I don't know what it's called maybe you're endorphins or dopamine in your brain because you're always checking your phone all the time and like that's all that that's literally all you're thinking about is right, like, right. this Kickstarter and how to promote it and you know, and then people ask you questions and you got to answer them. And it's just like, it, it really does take over your life for a good chunk of it. And then right when it's over, it's a relief that it's over good or bad. It's just over. You, you get your results. And then there's like this weird period, like you said, like where nothing happens, like you can't go forward because you can't do anything until you get the funds, like you're done promoting. Like it just, it, I never called it like a depression, but yeah, I guess that's, that I just, it just feels weird. I don't know what, how else to, <laughs> how else to describe it.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it, it is, it's totally, it, it's odd and it, it, it's a re, cause like you think, oh, well you, what, what do you have to be depressed about? You, you know, you, you obviously successfully gotten thousands of dollars, right? And, but like, I, I think this time I didn't experience it after this last launch because I, I figured out. After the last one, in, like towards the end of that depression, I figured out how to get myself out of it. Um, I, I start. I, I was like, okay, I just got, I picked up my, my bootstraps and I just started cre- working again. I started the cycle over. So I got back into the creative cycle, um, which kind of then got me moving again. So I think what, and I kind of did that again this time, but sooner. So instead of, so I, what I did this past launch when it ended in July, instead of taking the time to do nothing, or like, you know, I, I think I rested for a day. Like literally, I think I caught my breath. I stayed away from social media for a couple of days, but I think once I, I basically, I just kind of de- like let that, let all of that like energy, you know, re- recoup. And then I started then Focusing on the next thing so at you know I I had you know while I was waiting for the funds to come in and for the printing and to get everything ready I had you know because I already had again issue um, Issue four was completely ready all of the uh, stretch goals were designed and ready I just had to like send them out to the printers once I got the money from Kickstarter so What I you know, and I know that um, so I had been planning on doing um a Snowpaw spinoff and so I was kind of focusing on that and also thinking about you know my next steps for the trade paperback in issue five so I kind of like started basically putting my fingers back into what I needed to do while I was waiting. So instead of just sitting idly by and being depressed, I just started working again you know it's just like I I took you know it's like it was like a weekend you know it's like when you're at work you take your your, you know by the end of uh, by Friday you're tired and by Monday you're ready to go again right that's kind of like what it was it wasn't I didn't treat it as an ending I treated it as a a, uh, as work I treated it as like okay well, one thing ends take a quick break get back to it I think and I think that's really what helped me get through this without that feeling
0: Yeah, I think that the cycle thing um, that you talked about earlier and you're bringing it back up again, I think is super important. It's something that, like, I didn't consider because I've always um, just been just like, all right, what do I got to do now? Okay, let me put, you know, my marketer hat on. Oh, what do I got to do now? Let me put my editor hat on. Oh, what do I got to do now? I got to put my, you know, graphic design hat on, right? Like, thinking about it in cycles, I think, uh, lets you wear a lot less hats, but it, it does allow you to kind of see things a little bit clearer in your creative vision, which I, I think is uh, really, really smart. And uh, I think, you know, I'm gonna start, I'm gonna definitely, you know, first of the month's coming up here. I'm gonna get my my, my cycles ready. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so what's nice about
1: it too, is it helps, I think, speed up the timeline as well, um, because you kind of see where it goes. Like, so, like I said, I was kind of filling in the gap of when I was waiting for one thing to come in. So like I said, I was kind of being in a little bit of creative mode while I was waiting for the money. And then after that, then I started working on, okay, now I gotta send this these things off to production to get printed while I'm waiting for them to get printed. I'm you know getting my, I got my workstation all set up for my fulfillment. Once that was done, it was like, okay, now I'm ready for fulfillment. Once those boxes all come in, I can get things going. Um, and then I also, you know, was also in, in kind of sales mode in between these things because, you know, it, it, again, you, you know, now that issue four was done, you know, you can then there's that, you know, through, I used backer kit um, for the fulfillment side of things, but they also have that pre-sale uh, for people who didn't back the Kickstarter. So, you know, that was kind of like another thing that I was basically promoting that. Um, and then, you know, then the books came in. And then, so then you're basically in fulfillment mode. And then, you know, once fulfillment's done, you're then, okay, so like, while I was, you know, not packaging stuff, but like, you know, if I was on, I'd be in contact with my artist, getting him going on, you know, uh, the trade uh, covers and um, getting him kind of like, so I'm kind of like sprinkling things for him to, to keep busy while I'm keeping busy. Um, as well, so like he's he's basically already started on one, uh, some of those extra pages that are going to be in the trade. Um, you know, he's gonna those are basically set for him to go. While you know, I'm working on promoting Kickstarter. So um, it, you know, he's con- so I'm feeding him stuff to do while I'm doing the stuff I need to get done, and it's all again in that cycle. So I'm like now like uh, between so from the point where he was working on the 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 covers while I was waiting on that stuff and after fulfillment so now I'm also like kind of like okay I'm in that little bit of a sales cycle trying to promote issue four to different places like retailers or to just online um, like you know if, I don't know if you saw like last week I was doing a, you know each cover that I had from the kicks you know the new covers um, for issue four. I was kind of like sprinkling those throughout the week, even though they had already, I put them on my website. they had been there, but I was actively promoting them because, you know, you got to treat everything kind of like, a, you know, an event to make, to make, to make, make it known. known.
0: I love your covers, like the, the variant covers, just the, the people that you're able to get on those, the covers and the covers themselves are just absolutely amazing. And then I think you had one of those just like interior art where I was like, Whose cover is this? And you're like, oh, this is a page inside. And I was like, well, good for you, sir. Because that's awesome.
1: Yeah, well that and it's a lot of it was from networking. Like um the covers. I got um so the three actually four of the covers that that were done for issue four and, and some of the other like variants that I had done for the other issues, um so I'm at the Keystone Comic Con a year ago, I met Connor Hughes, who is the uh, artist of White Ash, who's a super awesome dude. He's so cool. He's very nice. Um, I happened to be next to him, like we were, like we, right next to each other. Uh, his table was right to my left. He and I just sat and talked the whole time and, you know, he sold his, I sold mine, you know, we, we swapped with each other. Like I got, um, you know, the very first issue of White Ash, He got the very first issue of Nightwolf. Um, you know, we just chatted and had a great time, like super cool dude. And, um, you know, and we got connected like on, on Twitter and, and Instagram, cause that's where he has, um, he doesn't have a Facebook, but he, the, he does have the Twitter and Instagram. Um. So we we kept we kept in contact, and that's how his cover came about. Um, I reached out to him and said, "Hey, you know, do you have time in between you know your White Ash issues to do this?" And he did, and I was very thankful and very happy. Um, another um, so the Joseph uh, Schmolke cover, um, I met him also at the um, the Keystone Comic Con. He was two rows over, but I recognized his his sign and his banner just from seeing him around Facebook. So I went over and I introduced myself and, you know, I told him about my book and he said how he's a big horror fan and he loves werewolves. And I was like, Hey, you know, would you like to swap? So he and I, you know, signed each other's books and swapped, you know, for the electric black and he got night And, you know, again, that's, you know, how, you know, that friendship, you know, kind of was built as well. And he did that uh, Tartarus variant for issue one. And um, and uh, I had known Chris Williams prior to that Keystone Comic-Con, but he was there. He's from, the, like, the Philadelphia greater area. And um, so he, I had him actually do a Keystone Comic-Con exclusive um, just for that show. And um, But, you know, I had been following him because he has a werewolf book. Well, it's a supernatural, but he also has a werewolf character in his book Um, and there's like a magician and like a sorceress kind of a deal Um, and he had a really successful Kickstarter like around 2016 um, because I kind of like I was following him since then and um, so I reached out to him prior to that knowing he'll be there and I went and met him and he was a super cool guy and you know so it's just going to cons and and talking to other artists and, and writers you know, in networking, um, you know, has, has kind of paid off in that manner. And, um, I actually have a surprise, f- um, for the, the trade, um, in it, this time it's, so I'm going to have some, some new artists putting some pin, uh, some pinups in the book, but I also, um, uh, as a kind of a surprise that I haven't really revealed much yet, but, um, the, uh, those extra pages that I'm in, uh, putting into the, Kickstarter is, or for the trade paperbacks, actually going to be guest writers. And um, I'll, I'll kind of like reveal those as, as the stretch goals go along. Um, and I'm very excited about it because, um, you know, again, networking and, and some of these um, writers, you know, I'm very big fans of, and I'm just so you know happy to, 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 to be able to, to, to you know, put their contribution towards, towards, you know, my, my, my dream project, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, man, all that sounds awesome. You know, the, the covers you have are awesome. The, uh, the interior art is awesome. The, uh, you know, uh, I'm excited as a fan of the series, uh, to see, you know, what writers, uh, you bring on. Um, but most importantly, the story is awesome, man. And, uh, you know, it's a really cool universe, universe. So, you know, uh, I guess before you know we get out of here where can people find you Um, where you know where can they go to find some uh, some Nightwolf stuff
1: so uh, you can go to my website it's uh, lonewolfcomics.com you can learn about the characters and other different titles that I have through uh, Lone Wolf Um, and you can uh, get the um, copies of Nightwolf through shop.lonewolfcomics.com you can find me on Facebook Twitter and Instagram at lone wolf comics. And, um, you know, if you are interested in checking out the first issue for free, um, you can uh, go to lone wolf comics slash offer and sign up for my email list and you will get a free digital copy of night wolf issue one.
0: That's awesome. And, uh, I will put all that in the show notes. So people, um, who, uh, just want to go and click away. They could uh, do so. Rob, uh, Dude, it's awesome, man. Uh, I appreciate you doing with me. Uh, Thank you so much. Thank you you again for having having me. me. Yeah, no worries, man.